Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. Well, if you've been coming here long, you know that I, you know, I have my little format that I do on Sunday mornings uh, with the word and with notes and all of that. It's it's one of the things I dearly love doing, and I do my best for prepare and all of that kind of thing. But last night, in the middle of the night, Holy Spirit woke me up, and I can say it doesn't happen much in this regard. It probably I I, I need to have it happen more. Actually, we need to have it happen more. But I felt the Spirit of the Lord just uh, I literally woke up speaking this. And for the next little while there, I, I, I just had a sense that God has something that he wants to say this morning in outside of what my prepared remarks and all of that would be. And um, it is his church, by the way. <laughs> he runs it. He's over it. He's the one who paid the price for it. So it's going to be a little different today. I suspect we'll probably have some scripture verses up. But um, this is what I woke up. And I literally woke up repeating this. Um, Ascension Sunday. This is the Sunday this is the part in the, in the flow of the week that Jesus ascended to heaven. And I took that as something personal for me because that, for me, is one of the most poignant times in the life of Jesus. It was the last thing that happened when he was on earth. The very last thing. And then he went to heaven where he is now in his, in his priestly, kingly line of the tribe of Judah, all of, all of the things that Jesus is. There he's making intercession, preparing the bride, uh, all of that kind of thing. But so I've taken since Easter and kind of been doing post-resurrection life of Jesus, and with a with an emphasis upon how he was preparing the church to receive Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just for that first generation church. It wasn't just for his disciples and followers that were alive at that moment. It was for every successive generation that would come uh, that we would see that this is how God interfaces or 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 reacts and and works in the body, the bride of Christ, is through person of Holy Spirit. And next week on Pentecost Sunday, we're going we're gonna to talk specifically about that baptism and what, what not only it started, but what it's continuing to do and bring in the life of the church. But um, I want to turn to the book of Mark. And only two Gospels record the ascension, Mark and Luke. And then, of course, in the first chapter of Acts. So, Mike, if you know, want to know where we're going, I'm going over to Mark chapter 16, verse 14. That's where I'm going to start. Before I do, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity to stand and be in this place that's been dedicated to you. It's a miraculous place, Lord. So many things have happened in people's church through the decades that we just have that sense that, God, this is from your heart. This is what, you, what you're doing And, Lord, we're just so thankful to be a part of it. But, God, we're looking for the more. We're looking for each each successive season to be greater than the former. That, Lord, where the prophet said there would come a time where you'd have the former and the latter reign together. Lord, that's what we're hungry for. We're hungry for heaven and your glory to be poured out and manifest in the greatest way that we've ever seen and experienced in our lifetime. That's what we're believing you for, Jesus. Uh, Lead us into your word today, Holy Spirit. Emphasize what we need to hear because we open our ears to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. So, 
After Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 plus days with his disciples coming in and out of, of being with them and other times not being with them. His, his ministry, his relationship actually was different than it was before his crucifixion. And some try to say, well, they almost make it like it's less. Actually, it's just the opposite. The post-resurrection Jesus was there uh, not just showing that the resurrection was real, but he was there and going into, I believe, another dimension, a deeper dimension, a higher level, if you will, of ministry. And he always was used by God in the miraculous realm. But literally, the post-resurrection Jesus was not only operating in a miraculous realm, he was operating in a dimension realm, and that is in another dimension. He was operating from the supernatural realm. And um, that's not my point. That's not where I'm going today. But uh, with with that in mind, <clears throat> it's come down now. He's been seen by at least hundreds, and honestly, all the all the commentaries, or most of the commentaries that are, in my opinion, worth reading, uh, estimate thousands upon thousands of people have personally witnessed him. Thousands saw him crucified. <clears throat> thousands saw him raised and living in a resurrected body. Those closest to him were near him, heard him. And so in verse fifteen or verse fourteen of chapter sixteen of Mark, it says later there was a pause from when he appeared to the two disciples. They were walking on the road. There was a there was a pause or a break in between. And now it simply says in verse fourteen later. It doesn't say the time, how much time, but it was later. <clears throat> My thought has been, I wonder what they were thinking in between the times when he would show up and, and show up miraculously. They would be in a closed room and Jesus would appear in the room without coming through the door or the stairs or whatever. He, that's what I'm saying. He was, in a, he was in a glorified state. He was in another, uh, not his final glorification in his body, but it was definitely a resurrected body. <clears throat> you remember at the tomb on that Sunday, Mary wanted to touch him, and he said, he said, don't touch me, my time hasn't yet come. Things were taking place. Physically, spiritually, things were, things were transitioning from the old to the new. There was the 400-year pause from the Old Testament, and the Word of God was rare. And all of a sudden, then Jesus and John the Baptist showed up, and the, and the heavens were open once again, literally. They heard the voice of God from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, at his baptism. <clears throat> John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then later he said, uh, He told me when I see this one. That is, John was hearing directly from the Father. When you see this one, he's the one. You're not the one. You're just the one preparing the way. And so all this had culminated. And now it says later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. So right from the very beginning of this thing, eating and fellowshipping and spending time together was a critical part. So we go into next Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, there's the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. But this is setting up the cultural norm that was going on for believers. They weren't isolated and then just come together once a week and say, hey, how you been? There was interaction. Y'all busy, we're busy and all of that. But we have a greater opportunity today to interact like that than even they did. And we can do it through this type of media. Yeah, it's not the same as being person to person. But it's also uh, not the same as being completely isolated and having no contact. <clears throat> just throwing that out, that any legitimate, I believe, deeper move of God, a couple of things are always present, but one of them is the deepening and building of relationships amongst the brotherhood, amongst those who are followers of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you do not want to be isolated. You want to be connected, especially in the day that we live in. Later he appeared at 11. They sat at a table. And this is what he did. <laughs> now, 
Just hang on. It might start out a little rough, but it gets good. So just hang on. It says, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. There are seasons in your life, my life, our life, corporately, where we need to have the Father heart of heaven talk to us about areas of unbelief. Areas that it's just become difficult to see and think, well, does God still really do miracles? Does God still really heal because my aunt this or this or that happened or whatever? And they were doing that. They had seen Jesus, and yet he wasn't there like he was before. And somewhere in all of this, there was unbelief that was mixed in with all of the marvelous things that were going on. And Jesus, just before he was getting he said, listen, you're going to have to deal with the unbelief. You've got you to make, you make sure to push it out. Let there be no room for unbelief in your life. Because what it always does is any area where unbelief is there, hardness of heart immediately or ultimately follows that area of unbelief. So what my recommendation is, hey, we can't figure it all out. It's a big book. It's You can spend your whole life going through it. But the areas that you get into and you're just like, how can that? Don't let unbelief take over there. As a matter of fact, say, God, help my unbelief. Remember, he came to the disciples Oh, no, it wasn't the disciples. Who was? I'm trying to remember. Oh, and anyway, he's questioning this guy, and he said, do you believe? And he said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my own belief. Probably a true statement. We've all been there a few times in our life. Yes, Lord, I believe, but there are still areas. And so Jesus is, and when it says rebuking, he was just, he wasn't mad at them. He was just giving them a fatherly correction because they were not orphans. He didn't leave them fatherless. He didn't leave them godless. He's there, and now he's loving them at the deepest level, saying, don't let unbelief come in because hardness of heart. And hardness inside of you is your greatest enemy in your spiritual life, in your physical health life, in your relationship life, in your career life. Hardness of heart. Life needs to be approached, in my opinion, uh, uh, on at least to agree with some measure of naivete. Why would you say that, Pastor? I thought we were supposed to be knowledgeable and sophisticated and all that. Well, the disciples thought they had some of that because they were friends and they were close. But there was one point where Jesus called the children to him. And what he said to them was absolutely mind-boggling. He said, unless you become like this little child. He didn't say, you're going to have problems. No, he said, you're not getting in. It's like, whoa. Why? Not to be ignorant or not knowing like a little child, but I believe to be simple, childlike faith, believing simply what it says. And saying, God, the Bible says it. I don't maybe understand it all, but I'm going to believe it because the Bible says it. I love that last song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Because all the world and creation and the enemy be screaming in your ears, God's love is not real for your life because if it was, you wouldn't be X, Y, Z going through all this. Listen, Jesus loved me and you're just going to have to take it as much as your child has to take that you love them. Even at times when they feel like, I didn't get what I really wanted for Christmas or whatever, you know, whatever version it would be. But he rebuked their unbelief because they, uh, because they, they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So what was he talking about? He said, they were not believing the testimonies of others who had experienced something in God. Much of the propagation of revival is based upon those who have not yet experienced what the Holy Spirit is doing, hearing and having their faith stirred and quickened by those who have had an encounter with God and are simply sharing their story and their testimony. Look what the Lord has done for me. Easy for the one who's experienced it. 
where you have to be aware is that not to sit back, and I don't mean judgment that you're judgment, but not to sit back and say, well, in some level, disregard or discount that. That's what Jesus was talking about. Why is that important? He was just getting ready to leave. And Jesus knew that just one week later, something was going to happen. And there would be thousands who would witness it. But he knew that what was going to happen on Pentecost Sunday primarily would be spread by the testimonies of those that were in the upper room that day. And so he's preparing them. He said, listen, uh, guard against unbelief and hardness of heart because, uh, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Hmm. If you have a testimony of something God's done incredible, whether it's miraculous in the miracle sense or whether just the blessing of God or whatever, I, I encourage every one of you today, start sharing it on some level. You've got to start somewhere, but start sharing it somewhere. Don't let the cancel culture shut you down from sharing what you know to be true and real in, in God. I had an encounter this week that for me was... Uh, it, I, I could see the hand of God in it. And, you know, most people when they move to a new community, you know, they'll look for the, for the hairdresser, for the bank, you know, for the insurance agent, for the doctor, whatever. And, uh, <clears throat> one of my things that I do when I first move to a new community is, is I start looking for a gunsmith. And, uh, and they're hard to come by. The ones that you really trust to work on your precious baby that you, anyway, you, uh, uh, it's just me, but I've been praying about it. <laughs> I hope that doesn't come on the day, but I have been. I've been, I looked in online and just, but I had something that I needed some work done, and I, and I just simply said, Lord, would you sh- show me? Remember naivete? Childlike, that's the way it was. So through just a weird thing with the way the internet works, I sent an email to somebody that had a voice recording, said the best way is email, so I emailed and they sent back something, you need to contact this individual. And this individual lives about two miles from here, and um, uh, he's an older gentleman. Uh, he has no advertising, but he has a great little business, and he does exactly what I needed to have done. And so I made my way over, contacted his business in the basement. I didn't say who I was. It's not important. It's about the gun, okay? And... Um, <laughs> And we uh, had a little bit of dialogue. You know, we're kind of the same generation and all of that. Went down into his basement. And a gunsmith's basement is a real manly place. If you've never been in one, that's all I can tell you. And so we were sitting there and kind of going over what I needed to have done. And he saw my San Antonio number. And he said, are you from town? I said, well, no, we're here. We live in Vancouver. And he said, how did you get to Vancouver? So I told him a little bit of the story. He said, people's church. He almost fell back in his chair. He said, my daughter was married in that church. And for about the next 30 minutes, we had a wonderful time of godly Christian fellowship. It wasn't anything about guns. It wasn't anything about hunting. It, wasn't any, it was about kingdom stuff. And literally, he felt and I felt the Holy Spirit filled the little shop down there. And he started telling the story. And anyway, it was just this wonderful time. And he, and he finally asked, he said, how did you find me? So I told him. And I said, his name's Pete. And I said, Pete, I believe the Lord sent me to you. Let me find you because I've been really praying about this. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you need to pray about yeah, who's going to take care of your guns. And I said, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, <laughs> uh, 
turns out he's a chaplain. He goes all these meets all over the country. He marries people in, you know, in between the shooting matches, and they've been kind of doing things. And he's like, yeah, we're, and he's just a great, he's an old school kind of guy. All right. So if you're all high tech and all that, there's no high tech about, about it. it. In all of that, when it was all done, he's getting ready to leave. And I said, Pete, you might as well just get to know me right now because we're going to be friends. But I said, I love praying with people. Can we pray together? And he kind of looked surprised. I just stretched my hands out, gave me his hands, and I blessed him, blessed his home, blessed his wife, blessed everything about him. Thank God for our coming together. And later when I went, he began to communicate with me, and it had nothing to do about the gun. It had to do with relationship and having a sense that God orders steps. The Ascension Sunday was primarily Jesus preparing them to be led supernaturally and divinely. And not just the big things, but in everything. And if there's anything that that I really feel a touch of God on this morning, is that God wants to be so intimately involved in the big things of your life, right down to the little tiny things of your life. He orders our steps, and I am simply amazed... And I've joked around about this said it mentioned several times, but I see God in one way as the master chess player of the universe. And he moves the pieces on the board. He knows what's going on. When he says, you order your steps, that's what he's doing. He's ordering your steps. And so uh, Jesus goes on and he said, this is what's going to happen. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Every, every creature, he who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Last night, in the middle of the night, as I was looking at that, he didn't say, and these signs will follow the disciples who believe, or will follow the apostles who believe, or will follow the pastors. He, it, this is nothing about the five-fold ministry. This is nothing about position or, or even calling outside of being a believer. And he said, these signs will, say that with me, will follow. He didn't say, they're going to be there for a season. Oh, they're going to be there for the first century. Oh, they're going to be there until, you know, Paul gets on his final missionary trip to Asia and then the, the New Testament church is established and all that. No, he said they, they, these signs are going to follow those who believe. Ascension Sunday was the, the, the moment that Jesus gave them the inside tip. This is what, this is what being a follower of me is going to look like. And this isn't a rebuke, and I'm not saying, oh, unless we have these, we're not believers. That's not what I'm saying. But he said, this is what, this, this is some of the, the activity that's going to be around those that believe in me and follow me. And it's, it's a, it's a crazy list. Listen. He said, in my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. Jesus was letting them know, I'm leaving now, and I'm going to send the Comforter. And really, what he's laying out here is because Holy Spirit is coming, he's going to be the one that oversees and activates these activities that are happening in the New Testament church. This isn't about you. It's really, I'm just internalizing this for me. Lord, you know, I'm not out looking to throw out demons, but God, it's been a long time since we've had to minister that. Lord, it's been a long time since... And I can say I've never had to take up a serpent. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Paul did, though. Yeah. Not only did he take him up, the thing bit him. And they all waited for him to drop dead. He just kept on throwing wood on the fire. 
When you're on the mission field, you have no idea what you're putting in your mouth sometimes. So the drink deadly things. In COVID, you had no idea what was coming across the restaurant counter. So you, The whole thing that I'm trying to bring out here is that the miraculous supernatural realm is meant to be a part of your everyday life. And that's what I believe is, is going to become more and more in the days. We, and he said, he said, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We believe in praying for the sick here. We'll be doing that in just a little bit. So then, verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven. Uh, he was taken up and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the words, <coughs> confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That's what I think the whole miraculous realm is all about, is to confirm the word to those that struggle with really believing the veracity of the Bible. Many years ago, there was a a great pastor, minister, uh, John Wimber was his name. He was really the father of the Vineyard Movement and um, pastor down in Southern California. And he came up with this whole idea, this whole concept, wrote a book about it, had conferences. I went to as many of them as I get to, but his, his insight was based upon this, and he called it power evangelism. And his, his idea was, the reason we're not seeing much evangelism take place in, say, America or the Western culture is because we, we have so little power really happening within the church. And then the whole, he spent several days going through that. I absolutely believed that, that that insight was given to him for the American church, for the Western culture, and I believe it still is. And Jesus was just preparing them here. Over in Luke twenty four 50, I'm just going to turn there and read. I'm um, not going to make a, a lot of comments there, but I, I do. I think it's important that we hear it. Right from the from the book, Luke twenty four fifty. Here we go. And he led them out. <laughs> Verse forty eight. He said, "You are witnesses of these things." I won't go. It was just that he had died and put in a grave and rose the third day. Verse 48 says, And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. The promise that he was talking about here of the Father upon them was going to happen seven days later on the next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. That's specifically what he's talking about. They didn't realize it at that moment, but we do by able to seeing what happened. And so he said, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, Pentecost Sunday. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. So he tells them these things. And then he just starts walking out and they all start following. Let me just give you another little tip. When Jesus starts moving, just try to keep up. Just go. That's in the Old Testament, you know, camp in the wilderness and all that. When the Spirit of God starts, just... And so I don't even think Jesus said, hey, we're going to go here. And, oh, here's turn left there and turn right. No, he just started walking. And those that were around him, as he was leading... They just started following him as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. I think on this Ascension Sunday, one of the things we can do is say, Lord, I want to be able to imitate you on as many levels as possible. Uh, let me encourage you to do something. This week, use the power of the blessing. Not just once, but try it wherever you can. Find opportunities to release the blessing of God in the people's lives. Do it. Take the leap of faith. Take the step of faith and see what happens. Sometimes it'll be to people that you know, maybe family members or the church members, that kind of thing. And then I believe one of the most powerful avenues for, the, for this blessing to take place is releasing blessing on people that maybe have never met you before, don't know anything about you. Surprise them with a blessing. 
My wife is a master at this. And sometimes I get a little bit uncomfortable, and that is not good for me. Um, but I'm working on it. And because uh, we can be in settings out in public where, you know, I'm more like, let's make sure we have proper decorum in place here. And she'll just start talking like she's known him for, every, for, for years. And almost always in the course of the conversation, Jesus is going to come up. And then almost always in the course of that, there's going to be, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to let me believe God. for Wherever the conversation wish, she finds a way to, inter, to intersect or release the power of blessing. Do you know what will surprise people as much as anything? Not that they ran into a, a weird Christian or anything like that. What will be surprised more than anything is that you released heaven upon them. Okay? God is looking for the opportunity to be released in the situation. Try it. I just, I just bless you with that. Now, can you place while he blessed them that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Wow. Powerful. I will say this, many, many times after we have those encounters I was telling you about with my wife and she's blessing, then we get in the car and go, you know what the conversation is? About how the Lord worked all of that little little thing, just what they were doing. Acts 1, the former account, I made old Thelopolis of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. The book of Acts starts with the ascension. And so Luke is telling this ruler, uh, that he was a personal witness to all these things, and he's setting up the story, he's setting up the acts of the, 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 the first um, the first internet site, if you will, the first website in the way we would look at it of the church. This, this book of Acts is continuing even to this day, and he said this is how it began. All that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. Why is that important? It's not that that ended the day that he was taken up. It's just that after the day it was taken up, it transferred now, and now it was given into our care, the, the church. And we're to carry it on after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible. Infallible. What do you mean infallible? Unmistakable. Irrefutable. No way to uh, bring doubt upon it. Absolutely verifiable. He also presented himself alive after his suffering. The infallible proof, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now they were assembled together. Verse 5, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, this is what happens when that baptism of the Holy Spirit comes. This is Jesus speaking still. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember what we just read over in Luke? That many believed, and one of the processes of belief was through this powerful manifestation of just the... And, and I don't believe it's limited to that list that we read in Luke. I believe we see the power of God manifest in every imaginable, conceivable circumstance of your life. How many, how many have had times whenever you realize God just, God just intervened? God just did something. God just set something up. They said, are you going to restore the kingdom now? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. But he said, you shall receive power. And then you're going to be witnesses. Now over in verse 9. And now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. I have a note. Oh, I let Wednesday night know. But I found my Bible that I'd lost. Found it. So thank you, Lord. 
And so I have a note here that I made, I don't even know when, but this Bible's about five years old, and it's probably right back at the beginning when I had it. And I had a note to myself, read often. So every time I come or I open Acts 1 up, I go and I, and I read this. When he has spoken these things, while they watched, he would say, you know, there are some things that God wants you to see. It's good to hear the testimony of somebody else. It is. But there's some things he wants you to see. You need to have your eyes open. Lord, I want to see. It's, it's not, oh, I'm testing the Lord or tempting. It. No, it's not about God. I want to see you do something. Today. I want to challenge you this week. At least a day or two this week. Start your day out with, Lord, I want to see you do something in and through my life today, in my journey in Clark County. He'll take you up on that. And while they looked, while they watched, he was taken up. The cloud received him out of sight. Here's the thing about being a Christian. You can only be a Christian by exercising faith. You have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Without doubt. You have to believe that he lived a sinless life. He was the only human being ever that walked on this planet that ever lived his entire life without ever sinning. He wasn't born and shapen in iniquity like we have been. He was born of the woman, but born through the Spirit as well. You have to believe that. So we've been talking about doctrine on Wednesday nights, and, and there are some things you have to believe. You, you, you have to believe the miracles in the Bible were not just uh, fairy tales. They actually happened. You have to believe that. For me, once I got over the virgin birth, piece of cake. I can take it. I can believe it. No problem. Started in his life with that. But look at this. You have to believe it. This is what they saw. And it says, as, as they were there, and while they watched, Jesus, he was taken up in a cloud and was received. That is, he was beamed up. He left planet Earth. And they watched him go. Why is that important? Well, it goes on and gives you a little bit of insight. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a test run, but what it was, was a forerun of what's going to happen to those who are alive when he comes back the second time. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. They were angels. So Jesus went up. He disappeared in a cloud out of sight. I don't know if that means he just kept going and gaining altitude where he literally became no longer visible or whether he just vanished. But they saw him go. And they're just standing there looking. And then, seemingly, it doesn't say where they came from, but there were two men in white. They were angelic. They were angels. They were having an angelic visitation. Jesus, oh, another thing. Um, angels are real. They were there when Jesus' life started. They're here when Jesus' life ended. They were there when Jesus was resurrected. I believe they were there at his crucifixion. They were there oftentimes throughout his ministry. Um, angels are just part of what Christians interact with. You might not have ever had a time where you physically are aware of them, but I can absolutely guarantee you that there have been angelic encounters happen through your life that either have protected you or helped you or assisted you in some way. That's just my... That's the way I, I believe anyway. And while they looked, two men stood by and who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? <laughs> I love the understatement of the Bible. What do you mean, why? Did you just see what happened? In other words, that might be a big deal to you guys, but it's nothing to us. Supernatural realm is real. This same Jesus who was taken up from heaven, from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And over in Thessalonians and some other places where Paul's particular is writing about it, is that uh, Jesus, the way he went 
to heaven. He is going to come back again from heaven. And we which are alive are going to be caught up into the air with him. That's what we believe as Christians. That is the hope of the church, is called. That is the mystery. That is the thing that we should be encouraging each other with as we see the time getting close. So I'm encouraging you today. Hey, you need to be ready. Because just like Jesus, when he's coming again, only this time, you're going up with him. You're going to go up and meet him in there. There's an old song about that, right, Mike? Going to meet him in there. We live our lives with that anticipation. Could this be the day? Listen, if you think, uh, if you think it's difficult now, those same apostles and disciples thought it was going to happen in their day. And they encouraged each other with it. I think the ministry of encouragement needs to be re-released into the body of Christ. Where we're not just encouraging each other on, on trivial things, but where we start encouraging each other on the things that really, really matter with an eternal perspective. Listen, uh, somebody's having a rough day and I get it. And it's not like this is an escape route or an escape hatch. But we encourage each other. It's a wicked world we live in today. Man, it's about as bad as I've ever seen it in my lifetime. Guess what? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Just like he left, he's coming back, and we get to go with him in the same way. And so we encourage each other in that. And and these angels were doing that. They were saying, listen, why are you guys just standing here looking at what happened? You guys need to get ready what Jesus t- told you to do. And he went that way. He's going to come back that way. This is going to be the setup for next week, and then I'm going to, we're going to do some prayer. Then they returned to Jerusalem. They were being obedient without understanding why. They didn't know what was getting ready to happen. Jesus was speaking. He was telling them. But just like happens so oftentimes, the dots don't connect until afterwards and you look back and then you see. They were just being obedient. The ascension, I believe, can become such a foundation for obedience in your life to what you don't understand in following God. And, you know, when I was younger, I thought I had most of it figured out. (laughs) Yeah. You add on a few decades and you realize how little, really, you have figured out. And how it really is a faith journey and a faith walk. And how it really is just trusting Him one step at a time. Knowing that His plan is greater and that he has you in the palm of his hand and literally simple, uh, simple, faithful obedience to do the things that you know to do and the rest you have to trust him with. I think there was a book or something a number of years back and it was like uh, everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Share your toys. <laughs> Be nice. Don't bite your neighbor. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's really, it's really simple. Jesus made it simple. He just said, um, and the angels just said, hey, Jesus told you what to do. Go to Jerusalem. You'll know when the next step happens. You don't know what to do? Go to church next Sunday. You'll know when the next step happens. You don't know what to do? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. You'll know when the next step happens. And we can just go on and on and on with that. And we, I, I can say this is probably the only time that I've actually taken a whole service and talked about the ascension. But it just struck me last night that there's something that God wants to highlight. That just the way that he went, he is coming again. I've had such an anticipation 
And not that old man next Sunday is everything's going to be different and all of that, but I'm believing that just a preparation, sowing into the Spirit and seeing what the Lord will do in your life, especially, especially in those areas where you need special visitation. So I, I'm just pondering, Lord, where, where do I go with this thing today? Where, where, are, we, where are we going to go? There's something about waiting with anticipation without knowing the exact details that draws God to you. So I'm going to ask. You don't have to, and there's no, no condemnation. It's not like, oh, there's good ones and not so good ones. That's not what I... But I'd like to end today with just... I mean, we have these wonderful prayer altars that we've never used since I've been here. Can we just take all of us and come forward for the last few moments of our time together... And just taking those step of faith, getting out of a chair and making a move that probably most don't make in, in your normal Sunday morning. But let's come to for, let's come forward. We're, we are the modern iteration of those early disciples and apostles. We're it. We're, we're it. They spent their time praying and calling upon God. I'm going to ask you if you just, if you would do that. Let's come together today. We're going to take a few moments and we're just going to start praying prayers of faith. So I'm already up here and I'm feeling lonely. So uh, I need, there you go. Okay, now, (laughs) just trust me. First thing, let's do this. How many need prayer for your physical body? Something you need healing or you need something to happen? Okay, I want you to lift your hand up and keep it up. We're going to pray the prayers of faith. Okay, I need some, some volunteers who will help me pray. Linda, would you, would you just, you know how to anoint people with oil. I know you've been through Bible college and all that. So just start anointing them. And if you're by any one of these that have their hand up, as they come by, as she comes by and anoints them, just begin to pray. And this is it. A simple prayer of faith. Lord, heal my brother. Lord, heal my sister. Just pray that. That's one, this is one of the things Jesus said to do just before he ascended on high. Thank you, Jesus. If while you're being prayed for, you have a, you have a sensation that something's happened. Maybe you just have a sensation the Lord's touching you. Just, you know, in the next few moments, wave at me. I'd like to know about it. Okay, those who, those who are needing physical prayer, we're starting to deal with that. How many need a fine? You, you maybe need something to break through in your financial life, whether it be a job, business, whatever, just somewhere you're believing God for for increase in your life. If that's you, raise both hands. And I have both hands up. Or if you've got a cane, you can raise one hand. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Just so we know. Pray with me. Pray with me, would you? Folks, Lord, I just release open windows of heaven. I release open windows of heaven upon these people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody else? you got both hands up. You need a breakthrough in your finances. You need a breakthrough in your business or your job or whatever. In Jesus' name. This is a good one. You have someone close to you that you're burdened for because they really either need to be closer to Jesus or they need to accept Jesus. Lift a hand up and leave it high. You have somebody, a friend, a loved one, a relative, a child, a spouse, doesn't matter. They need Jesus. I have a brother who needs Jesus. Father, I pray for those who have their hands up now for their loved one. 
Lord, you love them more than we do. But God, we stand in the gap for them and we pray for them. Lord, release somehow, some way, the words of salvation, even miraculous things where they would see and it would confirm to them the word of God, that Jesus is who he says he is. Lord, we're believing in the day that we live in part of the revival that we're going to see is prodigals and people who have been hardened because of the journey of life and resisting you, that they will become soft and they'll come to the wells of salvation and drink freely. Lord, we pray for their salvation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. How many have a burden for our country, for America? Just lift your hands with me and let's pray. Would anyone like to lead a prayer out for our country? Now, this is the thing. I don't want it to be negative. I don't want it to be judgmental or whatever, but I want it to be uplifting and blessing. Anybody who would like to come and lead a prayer for America? Is there any? I just felt prompted of the God. Yes, Leonard. Good job. Lead us. Oh, Lord. We're so just, you just wait one second. Just wait one second. They're going to get the mic for you. It's all good. He'll get it turned on. Yeah, it's on time. Try it now. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Let me just take me. Is there something I didn't do? No. There you go. Something I didn't do. Please, brother. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to continue to bless you and praise you. But I pray today for our nation. Yes, God. That the Holy Spirit would speak into hearts and lives across America. As we pray for a revival in America. Yes, Jesus. I pray and lift everyone before you, Lord. You see the hearts. You know what's in their minds. But only you can touch their minds and heart for Jesus. And I just pray today for your blessings across America. Yes, I thank you for everyone and your love and compassion. Not just for us, but for the whole of America. Yes, Jesus. I pray for a revival, revival to America. and a touch of the Holy Spirit yes, in every life across America. Yes, Jesus. And I pray for those that are homeless. I pray for those that need healing. Yes, Jesus. I pray for those that need your comfort and encouragement. So, Lord, I thank you this morning for your blessed touch yes, upon Jesus. America and look forward to the days ahead mm. and give you praise, honor, and glory. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. How many are hungry for more of the Spirit of God moving in your life? you are, lift your hands up. Oh, Lord, we want more. God, we want more. We want more visitation from you, Lord. Lord, a closer walk with you. you. Your word tells us that if we draw near to you, that you'll draw near to us. And so, Lord, today we draw near. God, we're hungry. We're in a generation of, of doubt and, and uh, sin abounding. But, Lord, your word says that we're sin abound. Grace does much more abound. So, Lord, we're praying for the much more abounding of grace. Would you agree with me right now? Lord, send more of the grace, of the unmerited favor of God upon our lives and upon our country and upon our world, O oh God. Lord, we stand in the gap and we pray. Lord, Chronicles 7.14 says that if my people will humble themselves and pray, that then you'll come. And, uh, Lord, we repent for things that are going on that shouldn't be going on. Lord, we pray that we would be salt and we would be light. But, Lord, we're asking that you would come and you would heal our land, O oh God. Heal our land with a miraculous move of the Holy Spirit of heaven. O oh God, we're hungry. Lord, I pray there will be a supernatural hunger released upon the people. Released into our hearts, Lord, to where it's been good what we have. We're not doubting any of that, but God, we want to have the Spirit without measure in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to release a blessing over you. We're going to dismiss the service if you need to go. Great. If not, just hang out. We've got a little bit of time. Just hang out at the altar and let's continue to pray. If you're a visitor, I'd certainly love to meet you. I'll be standing right over here. Come up and introduce me. Introduce yourself to me. And, and uh, I'd love to get to meet you. Father, I release a blessing upon the people now. Lord, that they would be the head and not the tail. That, Lord, everywhere they would go, that they would be blessed. Everywhere they would go, they would bring the salt and they would bring the light of the kingdom into the circumstances they're surrounded by. Lord, I pray that you would make crooked paths straight. I pray, Lord, that every time uh, the enemy comes in like a flood, that you will raise up a standard and that, Lord, you will be uh, causing us to become more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I can do all things through Christ who saved me. Lord, I release that blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.